You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode, uh, bringing you a cycling episode today. Um, I sat with Bobby, actually. Um, what day is it today? It's, uh, what? It's the day this is going out. We're not recording on that day, but it's Sunday today. I recorded with Bobby on Friday. Um, so we had a Excellent. good chat about cycling as well. So this will be the second cycling episode related maybe this week or within the next couple of episodes. Um, but my guest today is Alyssa Lutz, um, I guess from Bike Club OKC right, right now. Yeah. Um, but we're going to dive into everything you do and love about cycling in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma in general. Excellent. So I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much Thanks for coming for down. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's... I dive right into it. Um, you know, when people meet you for the first time and, and they see you riding a bike and I think female cycling is growing in Oklahoma, right? You know, you've got um, Chad, right, down at uh, Wheeler doing, you know, the women's thing as well as the men's crit races mm-hmm. now. And, and I've got some friends in that. Um, my wife's a runner, but she does have a bike and we're actually getting it serviced right now. So maybe we'll... Uh, We'll see her on a bike. I think she's got enough friends around her that I would love to see her get on her bike more because she's probably ridden it six times since she's bought it. We'd love to welcome her. <laughs> uh, which is slightly annoying because it costs more than my bike. Um, but you know how that goes. I uh, do know how that is. So, yeah. So tell me what kind of like, I guess right now, tell me what the current state of cy- female cycling is in Oklahoma City and, and not just obviously, you know, people think female cycling, they think competitive, Right. right. Tell me about, you know, recreational, the community and how that's evolved. Um, I, th- I can just kind of speak to um, when I first started sort of cycling again, if you will. Um, it's like 2015 and I just kind of rode my bike back and forth to my, um, I was a personal trainer at the time, rode my bike back and forth to the gym, teaching fitness classes, et cetera. And a friend of mine said, hey, let's go for a bike ride. And I was like, well, I just kind of commute on my bike. And I did it. And I just remembered instantly, why did I ever stop this? This is just the most um, soul feeding thing. Um, 
But, um, and I just rode with a small group of friends. Shortly after that, um, you know, I joined this thing called Strava. (laughs) (laughs) And some other friends started seeing me riding and said, hey, you need to meet up with this group of ladies. And they were strong females and um, triathletes, most of them. Um, And I I was getting into off-road riding, mountain biking at that time. The community of women was here and there but now I mean there are Oklahoma City uh, women's cycling group that's non-team specific all women are welcome and um, a lot of shops like you mentioned Chad Hodges he's just a solid dude I mean and really supportive and encouraging of women in cycling um, making sure that there's a payout you know for those women in the crits and in the um um, you know, any kind of cycling series he does. So um, Girls Gone Gravel is a big movement, getting more women. And when I r- r- rode, I wasn't really race ready this year, but when I rode Mid-South, it just made my heart feel so happy to see so many women and so much diversity on gravel bikes, amputees, um, you know, uh para-athletes, just fit, fit people and people you would least expect to be on a bike. Marley Blonsky was just amazing. And everyone from Payson, you know, the, and, um, the top females to Marley, DFL, the Lantan Rouge of, (laughs) of Mid-South. So, I love seeing this diversity, and it is not all about being a champion on top of the podium. It's community. It's mental wellness and physical wellness and time away from electronics and so many other things. So that's very long-winded. No, (laughs) it's great. It's, um, you know, one of the things that I told Bobby this too, just the feeling of being outside, right, in the countryside. And that's, you know, it, it doesn't matter if, he, if you're riding down the cycle paths for, you know, from, from Wheeler all the way to, you know, my general route. I live kind of northwest Oklahoma City area, so I kind of go from, you know, Lake Overholzer down to Wheeler Park, right, yeah. and back. And it's, the, it's just such great, you know, thanks to Oklahoma City for having great cycle paths. Yeah. But if you can get out into the countryside... You know, right. you don't have to be that far in the country to be like yeah. oh, so peaceful. Uh, so yeah, it is awesome. Uh, how was your Mid South experience? Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't go into this race ready necessarily. I hadn't really been training for yeah. that distance or anything. Um, I had my second <laughs> ACL reconstruction on my right leg. Um, I'm a week ahead of my surgery last year. So it's kind of funny to be able to compare where I was last year and this year. And I still have a lot of a long way to go in um, terms of rehab for this. But just the fact that I got in and it was a beautiful day. There's no way I could have, I mean, I just had to say yes. Um, I knew all along coming up to it, if this is sloppy, muddy, mucky, I've been there (laughs) plenty of times and I don't need to have one more um, of those harrowing experiences, but it was great. And like I said, I think what I loved so much is seeing the diversity of people, Mm -hmm. all people on bikes, you know. Yeah. So you did the hundred? Yes, I did the 100. And actually, I mean, I finished it a sub seven hours, which Mm -hmm. for me, I think in this stage, you know, kind of still rehabbing my leg and um, being 
somewhat timid a little bit, um, especially with the downhills in a big crowd. I'm not so worried about myself, but I'm worried about that person, that person, that person that's in front of me. If they go down, I have to have an exit strategy quickly. Yeah, that's the, the tough part, right? If yeah. one goes down at the front, likely everyone's going down yeah. <laughs> because they just don't see it coming. And then that's pain. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crashing and that's a lot of painful stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I went back up, actually. I was there Friday for the run, and then I went back up on Saturday because I was showing houses in Stillwater, um, day jobs, real estate. So I was showing, sorry, showing houses in Guthrie. And I got done around, like, lunchtime. And I was, like, looking at looking at Instagram and stories, and I'm like, maybe I can get, I'll go up for late lunch. Maybe I can get there for the end of the race. And I got there just after the winners crossed the finish line and then just kind of hung out for an hour and had lunch. It's like, when would I ever drive to Stillwater for oh. any other reason other than maybe for a podcast or just, you know, I just, yeah, you know, I know Guthrie's not super far away, but it's far enough. Right. You know? So, um, yeah, I was like, I just, I just want to be around it. Yeah. You know, it is such a cool vibe. And I said, uh, you know, when I finished this year, um, if, if I don't, even if I don't race it next year, ride it or get in, I'm going. Because, wow, Bobby is just making this such a, an event, yeah. you know. And so I'm, if I don't enter to compete or participate next year, I'm either going to volunteer or I'm just going to go. Because yeah. it's just something I got to be a part of that. Yeah. You know? even, even if you're like, I might just buy a Jeep and drive a ride around the course <laughs> and help know. out. Shout out to the Oklahoma Jeep Club or whoever it is yeah. that's out there saving uh -huh. people. Um, so let, let's go back then. Tell me about kind of where cycling starts for you and, and, and just your general story within the sport and, and athletics and fitness in general. Um, are you Oklahoma born and raised? Does it start here or, not, or does it show uh, up after? I mean, for the most part, I was born in Minnesota. Okay. Don't really, I mean, I remember being very cold and we moved, my family moved to Oklahoma City and uh, I'm one of six kids, four brothers and uh, I, my youngest, the youngest is a girl. So I think my mom m mentioned there was a time where it was just, I went from dolls and dresses to, if you can't beat them, join them. And that was no more. And so it was, you know, digging in um, ponds and going to my granddad's ranch or my granddad's farm and just uh, saddling up a couple of horses and going out and riding and just whatever, fishing and that sort of thing. I was a competitive swimmer growing up and um, had a really, um, I, I mean, successful in terms of an Oklahoma swimmer, I think. Um, I had several records and stuff like that that stayed until my younger sister came along and beat all of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad thing. I know, no, keep no. It in family, but exactly. still. Yeah. Um, and had a scholarship to go swim in high, uh, college, but at that time, I just, my parents let me make the decision that I was burned out. And I think in hindsight, I wish I would have done it because I saw my younger siblings take their scholarships and go. And when you transfer from high school to college, it's a whole different ball game. It's, okay. you know, you really have a big set of peers. But um, after college, uh, getting a uh, bachelor's of science in education, um, taught school for a few years, and um, then took time off from teaching school to have two amazing kiddos. Um, my son, Ricky's, uh, works for the AG's office. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter, Summer, she's the sweetest girl ever, um, manages a store in the mall, uh, Penn Square Mall. And um, so I kind of started dabbling in some triathlon. I did the Red Bud Run one year and was like running up that 
five mile, fifth mile hill on Larchmont and thinking, God, if I was in a pool, I'd be, you know, whatever. <laughs> go back to my roots. And this guy goes, oh, you're a swimmer. You doing that triathlon next weekend? I go, sure I am. Uh, yeah, I am now. Yeah. yeah. And so I showed up and I think I won that race. And I was like, then I went to do another one these are just sprint at weatherford and i think i set the course record and i was like well this is a lot of fun i think i'll keep doing it you know um so i spent a few years doing some sprint and olympic distance road triathlons and ended that kind of phase with escape from alcatraz which was really spectacular to be able to do and finish um and then just kind of i was like i think i'm kind of just going to settle into my fitness um uh, career, if you will. I kind of worked part-time with that, personal training, fitness classes, et cetera, nutrition counseling and wellness um, while my kids were growing up. And I'm fortunate to have a, a house with a walkout basement. So I was able to have my gym in my house, you know. Yeah. My kids were upstairs. I'm like, don't come down unless it's an emergency, <laughs> you know. Um but then, you know, 15 years of just kind of a break, really, from any kind of comp- competition of any sort. And then um, I got back on the bike and uh, got connected with these triathlete girls. And then um, a buddy of mine that said, why don't you try mountain biking? I'm like, why don't you show me how crazy you are? I mean, so I started mountain biking a little bit, walking these ridiculous like oh how would you ride a bike over that bump that's you know three inches high and then the next I kind of got this groove and it was just this thing that was like I mean you if you've ever heard the term church in the woods or whatever it was just like this was almost like a quiet there's no cars you might see deer and squirrels and armadillo and such but being in a single track trail it's just you know, it's just that meditative thing. And so, you know, that hooked me, hooked me in mountain biking, especially, which is my favorite thing. And then I love gravel riding. I like, you know, road cycling still, just yeah. all of that. And then that took me into competitive arena again with triathlon, Xterra. And that was a lot of fun and had a lot of success with that. So. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like there's so there's a lot of stories that are similar to yourselves, right? You know, you, you've got um, guys and girls, or you know, out there that yes, they were athletic growing up. They kind of got burned out. You know, they did 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 the college thing, have a family, and once the kids are sort of old enough, they get yeah. that. You know, you just like, you know, someone dangles the carrot in front of you, yeah. right? And you're like. I get to be who I used to be. I get to get that feeling again. And then when you win, you're like, okay, yeah, it's on now, right? Like yeah. It's, it's game on from there. That, yeah. And I don't think I ever went into, back into triathlon or, uh, and I raced mountain bikes, mount, the state of Oklahoma mountain biking series and the um, USA triathlon, Xterra triathlon series. So I was in Colorado, pre-riding, come back, Austin, pre-riding, come back, Austin racing, come back, St. Louis race, come back, Colorado race, come back. It was, I'm like, I look back on that and think, how did I manage all of that? Plus I'd be, oh, back in Oklahoma. Okay. Now I'm doing a mountain bike race and I got to follow up with a run afterwards. It was, but it was really for the time it was important and it was so meaningful. And to end that year in 2018, winning 
the national championship or winning a national championship in off-road triathlon and getting a national championship jersey was something I never dreamt that that could be possible. And then going to world championships was an, um, mixed emotions, mixed uh, bitter, you know, it was a great opportunity, but the course was horrible. So the end performance of my race was not what I wanted, but the experience of being able to go to world championships was pretty yeah. amazing. So where, where was that world championship that you won? Where was that? Uh, national championships, Sorry, national championships was in yeah. Waco, Texas. Okay. And, and that you said off-road triathlon. Yeah, off-road. Okay. So that's a mile swim, either in ocean, river, lake, followed by a 20-mile mountain bike ride race, continuing, and then a 10K trail run. And that Waco race um, was interesting in a way because I had pre-ridden that course quite a few times and I felt comfortable with it and I knew where the climbs were and I knew where the you know kind of sketchy parts were technical parts um it was a hot day it was June 9th and it was hot and the water when you first get into triathlon usually the water's like it's kind of you stepped into that water that day and it was just like oh I didn't even get a chill (sighs) so the temps I think topped it 102 that day but being in Oklahoma you know, we were used to the humidity and heat. The girls from Colorado, Seattle, Washington were destroyed by the heat and the humidity. And then the girls from Florida don't have that kind of, you know, they're not used, it's flat. So they're not, they're not used to the climbing. So it was just kind of an interesting recipe that, you know, was right for yeah. me at the time. Well, what goes through your your mind during those races then? I know it's, and it's something that like, all endurance athletes kind of understand but people who don't do endurance sports which is probably 90% of the people listening maybe more than that um what's kind of going through your mind when you're doing that race and I know it's obviously it's off-road right so it's a lot different it's a lot you know you know when you think of a traditional triathlon right it's like what two mile swim and the olympic ones is two mile swim was it 140 something bike right and then then a marathon yeah so right 112 bike and a marathon exactly 144 something total miles which is chaos (laughs) Um, but obviously even though yours is shorter it's still not easy no so what's going through your mind during kind of races Um, like that i think back to my competitive swimming training days and things like that and it's a big math game I'm doing a set of four or 500s. Okay, that's how many 20 links per 500. And then I'm going to finish. I'll be at the fourth way finish, you know. So you're kind of calculating that kind of a thing. But also, I mean, like, um, I think I always, like, have a song in my head, you know. And it's just like I'll find a song that's really inspiring to me that day. And it just is on repeat, repeat, repeat through my head. But, you know, certainly during the bike, it's like, okay, you got to be safe this is important, you know, and you're hoping that your equipment, um, doesn't fail or you don't have a mechanical or anything, but, um, because in mountain biking, there's more opportunity for that. And you're right on that. Like a mile of mountain biking versus a mile of road, totally different, you know, but, um, and then I think when you finish the swim, it's like, okay, onto the bike, you know, um, and when you finish the bike, okay, it's just a 10 K run. Oh my gosh, it's just a 10K run, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's um, just the feeling of being out there. You've done the work, you know, let's do this, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I guess coming from, you know, swimming, 
I mean, there's ways to put your headphones in when you're running and you're on a bike, right? Whereas swimming, you are in your own head the whole you, time. Exactly. You, know? you are in like your a own A lot of head. early mornings and late <laughs> yes. nights being in the pool, right? 100%. So, yes, yes. Uh-huh. That definitely yeah. helps out with the, the you know, the, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, right? Yes. Because in those endurance sports, you have that doubt creeping, you know? Like, you know, we've all probably kind of not finished a race and thought, well, people listening might have I definitely have have quit and I felt so bad the next day and I'm like why didn't you just keep going um, but at the time it's like no there's mm-hmm. a comfy bed waiting for you yes. <laughs> like there's oh well, there's a beer waiting for you or something <laughs> you know a double cheeseburger or whatever it is at the finish line yeah um, but you can get there now if you quit uh, which is you know that can translate into all, all parts of life and work and all that stuff but so so after winning you know, this, this national championship, then you qualify, I guess, for world championships, mm-hmm. right? Where was world championship? Uh, Maui. Oh, that did not suck, stink. does it? <laughs> it did not stink. <laughs> the course was horrible, but Maui in general, it was, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is it same distance as well? Just to obviously, yeah. is just Ocean swim. So yeah. we had a lot of uh, turbulence that popped up the morning of the race. Mm-hmm. And it was when the women's wave went out, um, it's an M course. So you go out, back to the beach, run 200 yards out and back. Okay. Um, by the time I went out and was coming back in, the surf had gone from maybe a one to two foot to about a 10 to 12 foot. Wow. And people were being, I got slammed to the ground, yeah. you know, thought I, did I hurt my back? My cap, my goggles are off. It was just very violent. Yeah. I think a couple of people came out with broken bones from the swim. Yeah. And it was pretty terrifying for some people that haven't been in the water that much. Right. And ocean water in particular. And to be slammed and held to the ground, mm-hmm. you know, and come up and be disoriented mm-hmm. is a really frightening thing. So the swim was just... and. The bike course was super muddy. The run course was slippery. It was like peanut butter. And um, But other than that, it was pretty fantastic being in Maui. Yeah. So how, I mean, did you make a vacation of it? Like, did you stay longer? Oh, after? I stayed for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 10 days or something. I'm, it I'm was making like, it out here. Yeah. I'm staying and mm-hmm. enjoying my time. Yeah. yeah. That's all. Did the kids come with you? No, no, it was just a solo thing. I was, at the time I was racing for a national women's team. Okay. And so, um, one of my teammates and I both qualified. And so we went out there and, um, Kind of just yeah, spent spent yeah. the time out there. And that you said that was in eight, 2018. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't imagine that being a bad experience, right? Other than obviously you know the the ocean part and the swimming part, but being that your strongest side, you yeah, know, growing up with a swimming background, then mm-hmm. and even if you saying it's bad, I can't remember. You know, can't imagine what the others who are like, yeah, I just kind of yeah, I can swim and that's about it. <laughs> like, yeah. If I get in the pool, I would drown. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's a friend of mine back home. I'm from Wales in the UK originally. And there's a friend of mine who kind of got into the endurance sports um, last, probably probably since COVID. Um, And he qualified, but he couldn't go because I think he qualified for this one in Utah. And he's just like traditional triathlon stuff. Um, And he's flying. Wow. And like... And just like, you know, I think he kind of came on the scene. We have got a big race in Wales and, and he was around all these pros and they're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. You know, he's like not, you know, he, he's like in a, works in construction, yeah. but he's just like very, very talented. And mm-hmm. he was supposed to go to Utah, I think this year, but I guess his world championship in Utah he qualified for, but um, he's injured, I think at the moment. And then that would have got him in. He would definitely get to the one in, the yeah. big one in Kona, I think it is. Um, I hope he gets there because I would definitely 
I, I have an excuse to go to Hawaii. And yeah, no kidding. Um, but back, so so during that time, then you you're racing on a team. Like this is like legit at yeah. that time. Like this uh-huh. is something that you know you're really focused on. You're dialing yeah. in your nutrition, fully prepped, and like yes. this is my job, I guess. Right? Yeah, now. I had a coach and everything. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was like a training plan, coach, and I was still, um, you know, doing my. Uh, I, Ryan Ellis was my coach at the time I was kind of doing, well, I was doing my personal training and kind of coaching in a way of like the strength training aspect of athletes. But a lot of my clients were everything from high school students who wanted to improve their athletic performance or just be physically, uh, in shape or whatever, all the way to senior citizens who wanted to just maintain the ability to hike and bike and that sort of thing. And then definitely some athletes who are really concentrated and are focused on um, like a competitive part of it. So were you tied to a local gym here doing that stuff or was it more personal? Yeah, it was my gym uh, in the basement. Yeah. Oh, great. (laughs) That's perfect. And I also kind of, uh, after a, you know, so much time in my basement with my gym. And then my kids kind of were like, hey, can we have the game room back and that sort of thing? And I ended up um, hopping over to, I trained at Chesapeake uh-huh. for some time and then American Energy Partners when that was open and a small community gym over off of Britain Road. So, you know, I just kind of bounced around to, you know, I'd be at one place for a few years and then maybe move to another. Yeah. So, do you still do that stuff now? I don't. That no. do you miss a, it? I do miss it. I really do miss it. Um, it was. I had a. Uh, I don't know if I should say near death. I mean, I. It was a, an accident that could have. Yeah. Um, taken my life or on the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was um, after. National Championship win, June of 2018. State Championship Mountain Bike Series win. Regional Triathlon uh, Championship win. World Championship participation. I went into 2019, did Mid-South that year. And then, because I had like an overuse injury from running. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stay off running for a while and let this tendinosis kind of like settle in and I'll just ride bike, you know. So I started trying gravel and Mid-South was my first gravel ride ever. And um, then I went on to do gravel national championships that year um, and won that. So I got another national championship jersey, which was, yay, I really like this stuff. (laughs) Um, But then I did mountain bike marathon national championships, and I got fourth in that. And I was like, I'm coming back next year for a top three podium. But a week after that was when I had this major accident. And um, it really... It took everything. It just, everything was gone. Everything was gone in a day. I mean, the next day, I didn't realize it because I think I still had a pretty good attitude. I don't really remember. I was unconscious after the accident for several minutes, and I don't remember the accident or the ambulance ride. I, my first memory is them putting the chest tube into me, which was so painful because they're just slicing your skin and shoving this tube into your lung that's collapsed. And holy cow, that was my first memory. And it was a core memory and vivid because it was so painful. Yeah. So 
you know, in hindsight, I mean, that was it. Personal training was gone. Coaching was gone. Racing was gone. I was living on disability, which is, let me tell you, nobody is getting um, rich off of that, you yeah. know. So that was two years of recovery. Wow. Yeah. Do you mind talking about it? Yeah, no. So did you, was it like a mountain bike fall or was it like I'm, I got hit by a car? Uh, we, uh, it was ride your bike week okay. and ride your bike yeah. day. Yeah. And I was working at that time for um, a gym and um, they had kind of a contest to see nationally which gym was going to have the best ride to your bike to work day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're going to take the train to Ardmore and we're going to ride back a hundred miles to the gym. That's our ride work day and we're going to slam this. So on the way back, we encountered some construction and, um, uh, one of the anchors that was in this bridge, well, I guess more than one of them, but was not secured and patched properly. And I hit it and lost control of my bike. And that was it. Were you like 20 mile an hour plus? Yeah, at this pro- point, we were flying. averaging like 25 miles an hour at that yeah. time coming back. So I think we were probably, and, and people think, oh my gosh, 25 miles an hour. Well, when you, I mean, a race car driver drives at extraordinary speeds because they're trained and they're used to it, you know? Um, so 25 miles an hour on a bike is not like for someone who rides and has ridden 40 and 30 and right. five, 50 almost miles an hour, 25 is comfortable. So, but yeah. when you hit something and lose control and you have no, I mean, you have a helmet and that's yeah. it. So I ended up with a broken clavicle, scapula, um, and um, seven broken ribs, which was like a partial flail chest uh-huh. and they called that uh, injury in my shoulder a flail shoulder because the entire superior suspensory system was broken um, and um, a traumatic brain injury so that was the probably uh, the pain after that was so significant from the ribs and the scapula um, but the TBI was the thing you know that really hit me yeah. in my head and emotionally so, yeah. Um, but two years of recovery, speech therapy, cognitive therapy, physical therapy, vertigo therapy, um, surgeries to, uh, they ended up taking out part of my clavicle because of the way it was fractured, it wasn't repairable. Um, and then had to have another shoulder surgery after that. So, yeah. but you know, that's kind of the thing that I think in the, the, some of the moments of really deep depression, thinking I've got to have a purpose for my life, and that's where Bike Club came. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and and there's so much, like just looking back and you know listening to your story up until this point, if you weren't an endurance athlete, maybe it could have gone different, mm-hmm. right? Like because mm-hmm. you've already endured all the stuff on the bike anyway, and I, and obviously it's it's a lot worse when you're in rehab and you're going through not just physical body but mentally rehabbing and cognitive stuff as well like that's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff to deal with yeah but you've had you know years and years of years of like dealing with suck on yeah. a bike and, and in a pool <laughs> yeah. right so you're like yeah. i can get through this it's just transitioning that into something else um yeah i mean that's yeah. so so that thing that you were now striving for and going going towards yeah. was then bike club yeah well the thing that i 
in 2018, there were about five dudes and me mm-hmm. that just started, we had this idea of, let's see if we can get some kids interested in, in mountain biking. And we started this thing on Tuesday nights, um, and we called it Flyers because Tulsa had a, a competitive cycling group called Flyers. And we thought, well, we'll just kind of call it Flyers OKC. And we met at Bluff Creek every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. We had like 30 and 40 kids come out every week. And we were like, you guys, this has got momentum and it's meaningful. And look what is happening with this. So we got together and we formed our nonprofit called Cycles for Life. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. And we wrote a grant to um, Cox Communications and um, received that and started our first school. And that was Dell City Middle School. And um, that was rolling. It was doing, you know, initially the first school, first program, doing great. And um, then after I had my accident, that was kind of when that sort of thing came where I literally was just my orthopedic surgeon was James Bond. (laughs) Seriously, that's his name. Um, Was so intuitive and encouraging. He said, Alyssa, you're an endorphin junkie. You've got to find ways to get your endorphins. And he said, get on that bike on your trainer. Because I lost 90% of the use of my left arm. So there really wasn't much outdoor cycling that was possible. Plus, I had such severe vertigo that I didn't know if I'd ever drive a car or ride a bike again. Because if that vertigo hit, that would be a sad situation. But um, so I've got my arm tacked down. I'm on a step stool getting onto my bike, you know, the trainer. And I'm just like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I have lost everything. But here I am on this trainer just trying to find some endorphins to get me out of this depression, you know. And um, I just heard, I swear I heard a voice that said, you will do bike club. And I was like, okay, all righty then, you know. And I think that was the, you know, the moment of just... um, I didn't even say, let me think about it. It's like, okay, okay, we've already got Bike Club rolling. Let's make it, you know, something big, bigger and better and more meaningful for more students. And uh, I said, you can take tragedy and tragic events and let it take you. You can give up, you know, Um, or you can take everything you know and everything you have and just make it into something beautiful. And that's what I think Bike Club did. And we, Alyssa and Bike Club, (laughs) in this kind of symbiosis, have both grown and, you know, found meaningful meaning and purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's awesome, isn't it? And then obviously it's, you know, it's a way and off to the races at that point, like you're you know, you've got a goal to work towards. You've got something to wake up for every morning. Yeah. You know, and then also you you want to be riding your bike with these kids. Yes. Right. So you've got that part of you, and obviously, if you don't have the use of your left any of your arms or your left arm at yeah. the time, like you can't put riding a bike's pretty hard. You know, using yeah. one arm. Yeah. Right. So thankfully, you have a trainer, and um, you know, the, the trainers jump on and just keep the legs moving, mm-hmm. and you know, just build up the core muscles just standing up you know sitting yeah. up straight riding a bike right, right. and That's, swimming was done too you know yeah. because you know it's difficult to swim with one arm and yeah. so but you know like I said two years of recovery two years of um 
surgeries and physical therapy and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got, I got that Good movement back. Good yeah. yeah. And you can get back on a bike. Yeah. Back on a bike. Yeah. And but no swimming, just the bike. I've swum a few times. Um, and one of my girlfriends that was, um, on my, that national women's team, she's like, I want to see you back in the water. She's like, this is just where you, you need, you belong. You yeah. grew up here in the water. And she goes, and so I've been down to visit her a few times in Austin and she goes, we're going swimming. And, you know, just that muscle memory yeah. comes back from so many years of that. And I was able to swim in Lake Travis and Barton Springs, which were both amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Barton Springs is a pretty special place. Very. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever been there, then you know. Well, I, I think I was there. We popped over from ACL one day just yeah. to get pop in and get wet and cool down and then go back to a music festival. Yeah. So that's my experience of Barton Springs. <laughs> it's not probably the same as your experience of actually swimming. But yeah, it is a beautiful place for sure. Um, so I guess from that point, then Bike Club is just your your focus, your love and your passion. It and that's, is. You know, so... Where does it go from from there? Um, You know, just kind of backing up a little bit, you know, I just, like I said, uh, that day when I heard that voice or whatever, and I just said, okay, I'm committed. I'm going to do this. I really went out and started knocking on doors and calling people and saying, I have this program that I believe is going to be life-changing and successful. And um, a friend of mine, Mims Talton, who owns Phlogistics, gave us our first big check and that bought the bikes for the net, our second school, which was Nichols Hills Elementary School. Um, and all of our schools are Title I schools and Nichols Hills Elementary School is a Title I school, which I think a lot of people are like, what? You know, but come see our program there and come see the diversity in our students. And you can see that it's people are not throwing cash out the window in the carpool line. Um, And then um, COVID hit. I mean, that was a little bit, those are some hurdles to navigate. How are we going to convene with 20 kiddos when we're supposed to socially distance and all that? And we split the program into two different days and everybody wore masks and we had hand sanitizer and all this stuff. And fortunately, we were outside, you know, which was the best place to be in that situation so my idea of adding the third school the third year was kind of, um, you know, hurt. There was, it didn't happen. But then I knew I wanted a school in, in East Side Oklahoma City, and I uh, got in touch with Michelle Lewis at Thelma Parks at the time, and there it went. We got Thelma Parks. And then um, this most recent year, um, Joshua Vaught, who is, he runs the Spokies bike program, um, in Oklahoma City, uh, said I, he would like to have a program at Eugene Field, and there went Eugene Field, and we funded already, bought the bikes and the container, and we have the facilitator for Fillmore. That's a South Side school, so now we have an East and Middle, and a kind of a North, and then a South. And um, I wrote so many grants last week over spring break. And fingers crossed that we're able to get those and we'll add maybe FD Moon as another middle school program. And, you know, I just would love for Oklahoma City Public Schools to see the value of this program as a whole. And, um, you know, this has been my passion. This is, I feel like, my calling. And I love this program with every ounce of my being. You know, I am... I want to be there every week at every bike club to ride with every kid. And they're, Coach Alyssa, Coach Alyssa, you know. Um, 
And, you know, we're just still in this stage of growing. Um, I have been the volunteer um, leader of this program since its inception. Um, and I'm looking for uh, one of these grants that I wrote to be able to hire a program director. And when we get to that point, you know, you, you're kind of in the, well, what do you do when your volunteers don't show up? Fire them? <laughs> I mean, right. so in order for an organization to have durability, you've got to have paid staff. You know, that's the accountability that's necessary. And so if a couple of these grants come through for paid staff, I think that's going to give us some you know, a, a stronger foundation, you know, and let us really expand and move forward. And, you know, um, going back to, um, you know, the first we were talking about Bobby, well, Bobby and I had a conversation, he goes, you know, Stillwater, we're ready for bike club. And I would love to see bike club in Edmond, Stillwater, Moore, Guthrie, um, Hobart, you know, Medicine Park, Lawton, whatever, all throughout the state, getting the, more kids on bikes and such. And, you know, Bike Club actually started in Tulsa with um, Jason Wharton and Mike Wozniak. And those two gentlemen have done, a, I mean, to say it would be an understatement to say they've done an outstanding job with their program. But they also have the support of Tulsa Public Schools. Tulsa Public Schools said, we see what's happening here. We want this. We want it in every school and we're going to help you. You know, so they've got that. And we just haven't had that with Oklahoma City Public Schools yet. Yet, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so what, what does it look like for, for the kids then? So I know you mentioned buying all the bikes and having a container and a facility. Like, what does it look like when, you know, they meet Coach Alicia and they go for a ride? What, yeah. what is that whole process like? Um, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned that. I'll just touch a little bit on that. We have, you know, our initial kind of, uh, progress that we established at a school. We buy a storage container, and that's a one and done. Um, and you know, it's about twenty thousand dollars ish just to run the start the school and um, fund it for the first year. But that includes the fleet of bikes and the storage container. And the storage container is a one and done. Never have to buy that again. The fleet of bikes we buy stays at the school for five years. Um, and we buy helmets every year, we buy safety vests, we buy water bottles, and we buy earned bikes. And I haven't touched on that, but, um, you know, every year it's just like we have this process of giving out invitations to every fourth grade student in Oklahoma City Public Schools. That's the top uh, grade level. And we wanted this to be like a carrot. So you choose the top grade level. And then the third graders are like, oh, I want to be in bike club. What do I have to do? Well, you have to keep your attendance, behavior, and coursework in check to stay in the program or be invited into the program even. So we have in the schools where we've been more established, we have like 60 applications for 20 spots. And it's just like so tough. Um, but when we go through the process of choosing the kiddos, the teachers are really an integral part of it, want it, need it, and deserve it. So we lay out all the invitations by which class, and we try to have equal number from each class, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, equal number of girls and boys, and then we look at diversity. Have got, and you know, and that really in Oklahoma City Public Schools, it's pretty easy to have that diversity. Um, racially, socioeconomically, you know, and to some degree. 
Um, so first day, the kiddos come out, you know, once they send, you know, you've been chosen for bike club, here's your full on waiver media release, et cetera, et cetera. They bring those back. They come out first thing, first day is, you know, I introduce myself, but most of them have seen me at the schools and they're like, Oh, it's coach Alyssa, you know, my big fan club of fourth graders, (laughs) (laughs) which is the best. Um, and the first thing they get is a helmet. Here's your first thing that you have received from Bike Club is your very own helmet. And then we just go through our, we have an eight week curriculum that sometimes takes 12 weeks to get through. Um, first lesson is how do you wear a helmet properly? And every one of these kiddos can tell you one to two fingers above your eyebrows and the bottom of the helmet. You want a Y on each side. You want one to two fingers under the chin strap. And then you use the ratchet to make it secure on your head. And um, what to wear and not to wear on the bike. You know, wear bright colors. Uh, Make sure your shoes are tied. Don't have dangling items, whether it's, you know, a, a sweatshirt or backpack or anything. And, you know, be secure with your handlebars. Don't try to ride with an IC or something, you know, especially initially. So first lesson, second lesson is just starting and stopping. We have 20% each year of the kiddos that come to bike club have never been on a bike or don't know how to ride a bike. And that's fourth grade or sometimes even sixth grade. At our Dell City Middle School, we had a, a pretty substantial number, um, a couple of years of kids that didn't know how to ride a bike. So opportunities are endless in bike club, and it's way more than just riding a bike. But that's their first opportunity is learn to ride a bike. And then when we see the confidence that comes from these kiddos, they're learning to ride, they're climbing, you know, maybe the first time they see a hill, it's very daunting. They may have had to get off and walk. Next time they make it up, I'm like, that confidence spills over into so many other areas. And, um, you know, uh, the requirement to keep attendance behavior and coursework, when there's an issue, I go up to the school and we have a problem-solving session. And some of the teachers initially in the past have said, you're out of bike club. And I'm like, oh, can we just have a chat, you know, and let's see if we can have some motivation to do better and be better. And it always works out that way when they see that somebody really cares and they don't want to miss out on bike club. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also the teacher in you uh-huh. too, right? Mm-hmm. Like that all, you know, what you mentioned earlier about being a teacher and, yeah. and having that side of you as well and, and caring and just marrying just love for cycling and athletics to teaching. Yeah. Raising kids and, you know, and it's heartbreaking when you see a kid who's sixth grade has never ridden a bike before. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like like one of my earliest memories and probably one of the funniest things that like my parents will tell about me, you know, at some birthdays and whatever weddings is that like, there's a picture of me on Christmas, Mm -hmm. right. On, and I got a bike for Christmas and it was like a red, I think it was like a red Fox or something like that, Mm -hmm. but it's training wheels on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm riding this, I'm like sat on this bike Pedaling, uh-huh. not going anywhere because yeah. like it's on training wheels. Right, <laughs> and I was not. Go- I, I'd holding the front, holding my hands on the brake, and I'm pedaling like crazy. Well, I put like a six inch like rubber kind of like mark <laughs> in my parents' carpet, right? Uh-huh. So that is like my one of my first memories of, yeah. of like getting a bike. Yeah, you know. But you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that like 
either the kids didn't get a bike or they just never grew up with the opportunity or mm -hmm. no kids go outside anymore. Well, you know, that yeah. was part of it, right? Yeah. Growing up, you know, I'm 32 years old. So growing up, we were like, yeah, let's go outside and run around. And, yeah. you know, this was before PlayStations and stuff. It's freedom so. and it's so many things. And, you know, we even have in our program a lot of parents that never learned to ride a bike. And that's something I thought, you know, maybe one of these days we'll do kind of an extension and like, okay, moms and dads, well, let's have a, you know, a two or three week yeah. um, weekend kind of a thing or after work kind of a thing and just help these parents learn to ride a bike. Yeah. Um, and that's another part of what we do in our program is um, I'll receive used bikes, gently used Um, and then we'll fix those bikes up and give those to family members. Because when um, that's one of the things with Bike Club, um, they have to keep, you know, of course, attendance behavior coursework, ABCs is focused. And But all the kiddos that complete the program, and we've never lost a kiddo, um, all the kiddos that complete the program earn their, an, a bike to take home. They get to go home with a brand new bike. Um, helmet, pump, safety vest, and all that. But then when you give the kiddo a bike and a mom or a sibling or dad or something like that, that can change the dynamics of the family, right. you know, and lend them, lends itself more to physical and mental well-being. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's so much goes into that, right? Because like, you know, even if whatever situation the parent is in, you know, They, they don't want to jump on a bike that has a skinny seat. And it's, I just think of my mum getting yeah. on a bike, right? Uh -huh. And I remember the first bike that my mum got. And for my mum, her only thing that she wanted was the most comfortable seat she yeah. could find. <laughs> and it was the most comfortable seat she could find, you know? And like, that was, you know, that, that's a real thing, isn't yeah. it? We don't think of that, you know? And kids definitely don't think of that. They just think, come on, mum, dad, let's go for a bike ride. Yeah. You know, they yeah. don't think of... You know, the parents thinking, no, I just like, I, we don't have a bike or, you know, there's so many things that goes into it. So. Yeah. And these kiddos are learning. They learn to navigate their community by bike and they learn to, to communicate on the bike, you know, um, and navigate safely. And they learn that a bike is a transportation as well as it is, you know, this avenue for mental and physical well-being, you know, and so much more. So, yeah. Yeah. So many. I, the only bone I've, the only bone I've ever broken my body is because I fell off my bike uh, because I was trying to jump it. Like most kids were trying to do yes. stupid stuff. Um, so w you mentioned not having Oklahoma City Public Schools involved yet. That, uh -huh. I guess, is the future goal and where we're going. And once you get that, then yeah. it's just because obviously it all comes down to funding and money and access it does and so. you know additionally as i have for this is our fifth year uh been the driving force i would say and this is just my passion you know it really really is in my core i still have i'm still teaching i, I after my accident you know i couldn't go back to coaching and my personal training clients and such had long moved on so I came to a point where I was like, I got to do something, you know, like not only just to have a purpose, but to have income. Um, and so I got a job teaching at a virtual school. And that flexibility allows me to kind of like smush all of my teaching responsibilities into the early part of the day, go do bike club, and then I continue in the evenings with a lot of my families that are working families and I can schedule conferences and meetings at 6 p.m. or whatever I need to and even on the weekends, you know. So I kind of really juggle two full-time jobs. One pays and one feeds my soul. <laughs> I guess they both have purpose. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. But um, as we expand, you know, I want to see every school in Oklahoma City. 
uh, public schools have this opportunity. Um, and that really is just the matter of Oklahoma City Public Schools saying, we believe in this program, we want to help support it. But in the meantime, you know, um, Edmond has shown interest, Norman has shown interest, and even Stillwater, and I wouldn't be opposed to saying, well, they're eager, let's go with Edmond. And, you know, I think that, uh, I haven't talked to Bobby about this, but I thought, hey, maybe at Mid-South next year, there could be an optional, you know, 10 or $20 donation, check yeah. the box, to provide funding for a bike club to start in this city of Stillwater. And I think that people in the mid, that are, you know, Mid-South yeah, so. kind of people would be like, sure, I'll throw $10 for getting more kids on bikes. And then that would just be the beginning of a Stillwater Bike Club, you know. So, but yeah, I would love to see this in every Oklahoma City public school, you know. So, yeah. that And you mentioned, goal. yeah, you mentioned it's, you said 20 kids. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason it's just 20? 20 is manageable. Okay. For one um, person to do? Um, to volunteers? Yeah, we have um, an amazing volunteer coordinator, Jasmine Gaddy. Um, and um, so we have a facilitator, ideally at each school, um, an employee of the school and a, a kind of a tie-in. But Nichols Hills Elementary doesn't really operate that way or Thelma Park. So I'm kind of that facilitator. Um, as well. Um, but um, that we just need volunteers yeah. enough at each school. And so I'm, you know, having the teaching background in classroom management, I know you, you just get like, you don't say, is everybody ready? Because who, which kid is going to say, oh, no, I'm not. You ask who needs two more minutes? And then you've got a hand rest because the way you frame that question is more inviting. And I'm not the only one who's going to be like shouting out, I'm not ready, you know. So um, and just simple things like to get their attention when they're and I just yell bike club rocks. And then they all come back bike club rolls and just simple things like and in a very calm, like almost higher than a whisper, I'll just say, if you can hear me, raise your hand straight up over your head. If you can hear me, put your hand on top of your helmets. And they all start doing this, and it gets more quiet and more quiet. And then I'll finally say, if you see someone that doesn't have their hand on their helmet, would you please tap them so they know I'm trying to get the attention? And then they, it's just, there we go. Instead of, hey, 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 you guys, listen up. Now listen up. Now listen. I mean, that just falls on, like, uh, you know, whatever. They've, they've had that their entire <laughs> yeah. schooling career. So not to, you know, this is just kind of stating the obvious for any teacher out there. But 20 students is a big group. This year at Nichols Hills Elementary, we have 26. And it is a big group. Every time you add five more kiddos, it's big, big, big. So... Um, a volunteer, um, or, you know, we have their lead volunteer facilitator. And if we can have four volunteers at each program, five is not too many. Um, that offers when we ride outside, we have a lead, we have a flank, a flank and a sweep. And then the flanks kind of rotate up as we go through intersections to come up when the light is ready to turn, um, green or the stop sign or whatever, and they'll position themselves in the intersection and kind of, you know, sort of hopefully it will successfully (laughs) direct traffic. And, you know, the light may turn yellow and we've got three more kiddos that are coming up and they're like, you know, in the intersection, we move through like a bus, 
the bus doesn't get halfway through the intersection and then the back of the bus waits. So, um, you know, there have been times where we just have two volunteers and it's like, we got to make sure everybody sticks together. But when we have that many volunteers, um, the group oftentimes will split because there are more you know, seasoned cyclists, even in these, this very young age, but then that turns into a lead and a sweep and a lead and a sweep. And then, you know, that works itself as well. So, but, you know, the kiddos have so many opportunities to see, um, parks, local places of interest, museums, restaurants, and just these opportunities connecting with police and fire departments in their community is so enriching and empowering, you know, in so many ways. Yeah. At what like stage of the curriculum are they out on the roads? Mm, we don't go out on the road until we have 100% riders and that they know how to communicate with each other. So our progression of just, you know, starting and stopping like a power pedal position. How many brakes do you have? What happens if you use that left brake hard independently? Not always a good thing. <laughs> um, and um, right turn, left turn, slowing, stopping, hazards, car up, car back. They're all really important things to know when you're riding as a group. And um, so as they progress, we kind of set up cones, not really obstacle course as you would think in Tough Mudder kind of a thing, but they have to ride through cones. They have to make a sharp right turn, a U-turn left kind of a thing, and we'll put them one in front of the other, and they have to communicate that. And those two, good job, you guys, next pair, next pair. Then we put them side by side. So now you have to learn that when you take a corner, the person on the outside can't cut in, the person on the inside can't swing out. You have to match that corner movement. So once we have them all th go through the front and the back and the side by side, then we put them in groups of four. And then if they can successfully go through the cones in the groups of four, we do a group of six. And then we practice on the school site as a group with all of our, you know, slowing, stopping, right turn, left turn skills. And when I feel like we're ready for the road, then our first field trip is always to Sonic. Oh, really? And they That's love, great. when are we going to Sonic? When are we going to Sonic? Yeah. So um, Sonic um, Inspire Brands specifically has been a huge supporter for us. And um, they um, offer gift cards and free wacky packs for the kids, uh, free ice cream cones, cherry limeades and stuff. And it's just really a treat for us to go there. Yeah. And then we... The rest of the season is just, um, we've hit where we have, um, we can ride our bikes. Two of our schools can ride to the river sports. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've been there and they'll carve out a private event for the kids to have the experience there. We'll go again in May when they open the surf machine for the kiddos. We can ride to the Harn Homestead, um, the Bombing Memorial Museum, Oklahoma Contemporary Art Space, um, Metro Metropolitan Libraries all the parks that are within riding distance and they get to explore all these neighborhood parks. Um, additionally, we went to um, the Oklahoma Black History Museum and Performing Arts Center, which was really interesting and eye-opening for a lot of these kiddos. Um, J.B. Williams um, is just, I mean, I was a rock star in literally and figuratively rap star, rock star, but welcomes the kids into Eastside Pizza House and Nikki Nice came to visit and we during you know Black History Month really um, talked about the import some of these really important figures Dr. Dowd 
Clara Looper. Um, and then we rode to the Slaughter Mansion, which was magnificently um, interesting. And that was a haul. I mean, these kiddos are riding some big hills. So, you know, I spend quite a bit of time each week just looking at, you know, what's an interesting place? What's an important Oklahoma um, place in terms of history or present, you know, standing or whatever that we, we can yeah. ride to by bike? Yeah. So it's it's really. I mean, I love the field trips. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe not, maybe more than the kiddos, but you know, definitely they get a broad spectrum of things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just learning to ride a bike, right? Mm-hmm. It's like educational as well. Yes. I mean, learning Oklahoma history and and just part of you know stuff that it might not be in a textbook, and you get in the context from the people that are doing it, right? Yeah. They have a passion for history and. You know, like you're meeting JB and Nikki Nice and all these people. Like yeah. that, that goes a long way for a, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grader, right? Yeah, and you never know what's going to spark interest, you know. And even if it's an interest that's temporary and it's from a young age, but it still is something that sparks some interest. Like, um, you know, going to the fire department, fire station number 16, these gentlemen were beyond outstanding. They, it's a ladder truck station. So they brought their ladder truck out, put it all the way up. One of the firefighters climbed all the way up and all the way down and they let the kids hold the hose and spray it. And um, we had timed the, one of the firefighters putting all his gear on, but they give him for important fire safety lessons. And, um, and these kids, you know, that could be a sparks. It's like, that was so cool. Yeah. Um, we'll go visit an oil and gas company and talk to some of their engineers. And to some of them, it's kind of like, eh, but, you know, that could be a, a spark in interest even, you know, in terms of, oh, I remember when we went to go visit Phlogistics and that was really interesting. And it, you know, makes them want to learn or something more about that. But yeah. who knows, years down the line, it's like, oh, that's where that interest came, you know. Right. Yeah, because it's in the subconscious, right? Yeah. You don't think about it, and then it comes up, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, uh, camera dies, obviously. Uh, we're almost we're Yeah. Gonna, but it's an exposure to arts, too, through Oklahoma Contemporary Art Space, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, the bombing memorial is a really important thing Do you still well. have the cafe at the Oklahoma Contemporary? Because it's like, it was when it, I don't know, I haven't been there for a while, but the cafe they, they've had or have is incredible. I'm thinking, okay, so there's the Oklahoma Museum or this whatever. This the giant new mail building. Yeah, oh, right? that has yeah, the car yeah, yeah. upside down on it. And you know what? I've never been to the cafe. Oh, wait, there Maybe is a cafe closed. in there. It's so good. But it might have um, taken a back seat with mm-hmm. COVID and kind of coming Probably. back to yeah. life and that sort of thing. But usually when we go there with field trips, we're yeah. just focused on, mm-hmm. you know, the focused on the lecture or the art at hand, you know, yeah. and, and stuff. Super awesome. Super exciting. Uh, I'm glad that you have this avenue to focus things on, right? Yeah. After the whole crash and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you don't, you're probably, the things that are going through your mind and the doubts of, you know, am I ever going to get up on a, am I ever going to walk or run again, right? Am mm-hmm. I ever going to get up on a bike again? Like this real things. And like you said, am I ever going to drive again? And the vertigo, yeah. like it's, you know, we don't realize how, I guess, fortunate we are and grateful we are to have the things that we have. Yeah. Even just basic things like walking or the use of your left arm and little, yes. you know, all this stuff. And now you've got this to really put, you know, your energy into. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure every every single bike club you get a kid that's like, yeah, and like you see the kid's reaction. And like, they don't have to say anything to you, but you see yeah. the way they feel and look and express themselves. And you're like, 
That's why I do this every day. Yeah. So. And I don't really have to probably sell you on the mental wellness of <laughs> being outside and yeah. cycling. And goodness, you know, just the that's that that part that element is so important we are still experiencing so much of a i think a mental wellness crisis as a you know just a species right yeah. <laughs> across the globe and kids are the same and when they can find a meaningful outlet um to moderate like you know i'm angry i just need to go blow off some steam go get on your bike I'm sad. I need to just kind of like find some uh, rhythmic kind of movement or something. Go get on your bike. You're happy. Call a friend. You guys go ride. You know, you can do biking. I mean, there are in our program, this is something that may be obvious to so many, but not every kiddo has the desire capacity financially with transportation or whatever to play football, basketball, soccer, baseball. But our program meets at the school so they don't have to have transportation to the program. But, and also you can ride your bike forever, you know? And again, like I said, happy, sad, angry, glad by yourself with friends, 90 or nine, you can ride a bike. I haven't had an invitation to play um, soccer or football in the last <laughs> little bit from my friends, but I get a lot of invitations to ride a bike. To go bike, yeah. And well, yeah, and you see, like, you know, even as an adult, right, you jump on the bike, you go out, you have a coffee somewhere, you ride around, yeah. you, grab, you know, grab, grab some food or, you know, hopefully it's something better than a gas station in the middle of nowhere, which is generally most of the cyclist <laughs> lunch. Exactly. Isn't it? You know, like, what am I going to get? One of those, those little, you know, crusted old gas stations. Yes. What are they, um, cinnamon rolls right <laughs> or like the donuts or whatever uh-huh. um, uh, yeah i had um alan and jennifer white on yes. the podcast uh gravel dock and gravel ginger for those yeah. of you who know yeah uh, uh-huh. you know we just laughed like the whole time talking I about love cycling them. i love those two getting yeah. into it and and the things that they've gone through and how biking has helped them mm-hmm. and you know the mental side and and just all of the stuff that that cycling has done you know alan was a soccer player and got into biking you know from a friend and then he got you know jenny into it and all that stuff so yeah it's uh does wonders it does and i have to go kind of go back to you know when i was saying about the football basketball baseball and that sort of thing i'm a fan of all just get moving yeah you know move and be involved in something physical and you know i love those sports for those kids that have that desire and that capability and um but for those that don't, you know, we've got a really wide variety of kiddos. We have had a diagnosed schizophrenic kiddo on our roster. We have kids that have um, learning disabilities, ADHD, and, you know, and the data that has been shown and proven that cycling really does have a cognitive effect um, on the brain. And so um, there's just so many amazing things that come from that. And, you know, um, I just happened to settle into, you know, the cycling world yeah. and the cycling avenue of it. It's so. amazing how we look back at our lives and end up in the places that we do, right? Mm-hmm. And all the stuff that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, when you see it, you know. But today you're like, how did I get here? And then you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, because of this, 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 and this. Um, for people listening, how uh, how can they get involved? How If there's someone listening that, you know, thinks my company would love to be a part of oh, this, sponsor yeah. it, like, where do they go? Um, we have 
so many needs. Like I said, you know, financial needs are there because you have to have bikes, you have to have a storage container, helmets, et cetera, to run the program. Um, and we are absolutely open to any kind of sponsorship. We had a, um, a realty company, McGraw, that sponsored us for a while and put their name on the safety vests and that sort of thing. So obviously financial sponsorship of any kind. Um, I know that people sometimes have uh, matching giving through their corporation. So if you're looking for an avenue to um, direct your taxable giving or whatever, we are a 501c3. Um, we have volunteer opportunities that are actually, you know, wheels on the ground mm -hmm. with the kiddos on the riding with the program. But we have needs for volunteer coordinator assistance, um, logistics, special events, um, and uh, just a multitude of other things, um, moving bikes, uh, bike maintenance, that sort of thing. So our volunteer needs go way beyond just actually at the program. And, you know, just um, even word of mouth spreading the, the good news about what Bike Club is doing. So, you know, if you like what Bike Club is doing, um, get involved in some way, either supporting financially, supporting volunteering or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. And website and all that yeah. stuff I can link down yeah. below. Our bike club is, uh, our website is, you know, www.bikeclubokc.com. And Instagram is probably where we're most active. And it really is a great, I think it's a good representation of the beautiful rainbow skin tones we have in our program and the successes and the smiles and all the the fun stuff so instagram yeah. is bike club okc so okay. yeah and then people want to follow you what's your instagram uh alyssa 24 7 okay yeah my my instagram is going to be biking it's <laughs> <laughs> a very fitting name <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my that's my birthday is july 24th and my daughter is always like mom you are 24 7 <laughs> <laughs> so. well thank you so much for coming down thank you so much for taking an hour of your day to share some stories share your story how you get into bike club and and you know kind of shed some light on the project that you have yes um, really appreciate it and um for people listening i'll put the link to the website and both instagrams in the description you go there right now and follow bike club okc and Alyssa, and then see how you can get involved even if it is just volunteer and ride it around excellent so yes this was delightful thank you so much you. i really appreciate it and uh i might be riding mid-south next year we'll see bobby is trying to convince me to ride at some point <laughs> so uh we'll see i gotta get a bike first so stay tuned but thank you so much for listening guys we'll catch you next episode cheers Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned 
Oklahoma business. Down in El Reno, they're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.